Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the South Bay Show, Manhattan Beach Chamber 360. On March 15th, live, love, laugh, and leave a legacy. That's what we do here in the South Bay of Los Angeles, and it's a beautiful place to do just that. The South Bay Show is brought to you by the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce. The Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce has been serving the city of Manhattan Beach for over 60 years, and they are dedicated to promoting a strong local economy by supporting the community, providing valuable business connections, and representing business with government. The Chamber staff is focused on providing its membership with the tools and resources to help businesses grow and thrive within the community. Their goal is to continually support the individual efforts of business as they work to support the growth of the local economy. For more information on how the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce is working with member businesses and the city of Manhattan Beach to support that growth, visit the website at manhattanbeachchamber.com or call 310-545-5313. I'm your host. Joe Terry, and you can read all about our many adventures on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash passion, principle, and purpose. That's what we talk about here on the South Bay Show. Joining us today as co-host, the CEO and president of the Manhattan Beach Chamber, Kelly Stroman, and of course with us because of our great partnership with South Bay by Jackie.com, and executive producer of the South Bay Show, Jackie Balestra. Hey, Jackie, Kelly, how are you? Doing well. We are working on getting Kelly on the line because um, she was having some issues with herself, so she's going to call in in a moment. Uh, oh, there she is now. Yes. Uh, hang on a minute. I'm, I'm yes. bringing her in. Uh, there she is. Okay, hey, Kelly, great. how are you? Um, good morning. Happy Friday. But apparently, uh, happy, happy is not Friday. technology this morning. I apologize. I don't. I'm getting no, uh, you know, no messages on my end. So I apologize for that. But here I am. Well, no, you know what it is. When I try calling your cell, I'm getting it's going right to voicemail saying this person is not accepting calls at this time. So you, you must have it on, you know, block or something. So maybe i'm in mexico drinking margaritas but i wish no i'm here mm. <laughs> that would be nice that would be nice if we were all there that's great that's great yeah i'm sorry about that that's all right okay yeah well we have such an exciting joe do we want do to do some uh do... what Joe, do do we want to? Uh, does Kelly have anything she wants to um, share with us? Chamber news right. or updates or anything before we get to our um, our topic this morning? Right. Uh, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So I, I I apologize for all the technical difficulties on my end. Uh, that happens occasionally. But um, yeah, what a mm-hmm. week it was, um, Jackie. I saw you at the opening of Mother's Market and Kitchen yes. um, over on Rosecrans. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a preview night, a soft opening, and. Uh, what a great gathering it was. Um, a lot of, you know, community leaders were there. And I don't know if you had a chance to make it uh, back to the kind of the reception area after the ribbon cutting, but the catering, the food was phenomenal. It was so delicious and healthy and just, uh, you know, another breath of fresh air, another grocery o- option um, in Manhattan Beach in the South Bay is now here. And um, lovely people. Um, I, I don't know if you had a chance to really talk around a lot, but it, it really, I really enjoyed it. And I do think they have a point of difference in the market, and literally in the market. There's so many markets that have opened up in the last six months. But um, I was pleasantly um, pleased, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing them grow. They have their grand opening for the public this Saturday. Tomorrow, this Saturday, day, right? Uh, yeah, they're you know they're welcoming everybody, and they're gonna have a lot of entertainment and sampling and things going on. So, um, if you are you know over towards Rosecrans Avenue, and in the old Fresh and Easy space um, is the new Mother's Market and Kitchen. It's our ninth store. Uh, they started in Costa Mesa back in 1978, and this is their ninth one, and it's kind of their first one in the area. So it's very exciting for all of us. Um, yeah, you know, and, you know, Kelly, it's it's interesting. You know, these are not our parents' grocery stores anymore. 
You know, I mean, they've they've evolved. I mean, that you know, it's so funny to say that, but the grocery store has come a long way since you know I was a kid and 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 my mother did her weekly shopping. Uh, it's 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 really something. It, well, it is. You're right, Jackie. And you know what's interesting is I used to live down in Costa Mesa, long, long, you know, I call it my previous life, kind of before I had kids. And I used to go to their store number one, which was on 17th oh. Street down in Costa Mesa. And I, well, I didn't go all the time, but I remember the first time I ever walked into it, you know, I just thought, I saw Mother's Mark in the kitchen. So I, I went in to grab whatever, milk or orange juice or something. And when I walked in, it was, you know, all this, incredibly healthy organic food that honestly I hadn't really seen before and I was like yeah. <laughs> what because that was back in like 83 you know and I was like yeah what is this place like wow you know this is really different and I didn't really understand it and uh, fast forward to today and you know now you know organic gluten-free paleo you know this that and the other are such a part of our vocabulary such a part of our diet and they really years ago um it was uh, kind of two yoga enthusiasts who wanted to have you know more options and for specialized diets because at that time they had some family members that were having you know uh, dietary issues and so that's how they started the market uh in 1978 but yeah, in those days we didn't talk about all this stuff. We didn't have farmers right. markets. We didn't do those never heard of things. No, and now you walk in. Right. Now you walk in. You're like, okay, yeah, I got this. I know what that is. I know what this is. I know what that means. And if you don't, you can easily have a conversation with you know, in any of the stores with any of the staff and have, and understand what it is. They have nutritionists on site. It's it, you know they have nutritionists working with their chefs to. Uh, you know, and, and I love the prepared food sections. I mean, again, yes. you know, this, this this ain't your mama's uh, grocery store. It, <laughs> it, it, no, it, really, it really it really is amazing. You know, it's funny, Kelly, that you mention that because I remember, you know, and I, I'm I'm out here. What I'm in California, 35 years, or whatever. I remember when Whole Foods was Mrs. Gucci's. You, do you yep. remember Mrs. G- Mrs. Gucci's? Yeah. I do. I do. Before mm-hmm. before it became Whole Foods, so it's it's a grocery store renaissance we're experiencing these days. It's very exciting. It is, and you know, every consumer wants to have choices. That's the the beauty of the internet too. Is you know, everybody wants to be able to shop at two a.m. or three a.m. or six six a.m. or you know four p.m. and they want to be able to do their research. And um, whether you're online or in store, we certainly have a lot of options now in the beach for grocery shopping. Um, so if you can't find it, uh, boy, I don't. I'm not sure what it is you're looking for. So uh, we're thrilled. Yeah, we're thrilled to have them. It's all good, and it's going to be a beautiful weekend. Uh, you know, I always like to talk about the weather um it's you know it's gorgeous it's going to be sunny there's going to be a lot of sunburnt people on monday morning um so people need to get outside <laughs> and the last thing i want to mention is have you seen all the butterflies that are flying yes. through the south Bay? oh yes 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 you know they say it's lady. one painted lady yes joe and they they estimate there's one billion billion i'm like who counts all those butterflies but um it's just gorgeous, and I was driving down Sepulveda, I think it was like on Monday, and I had all these butterflies, and I'm like, at first I thought it was a swarm of bees, because they were just kind of fluttering, you know, right. around, and then I'm like, wait a minute, those are butterflies, what the heck, and then of course they've been hanging around all week, and you, I was out on the pier two days ago, and they were swarming all around the roundhouse and the pier, it's just gorgeous, so kind of a nice, you know, hello, sun's out, rain's gone, spring is here, right. and what spring a beautiful here. way to be greeted. Yes, spring yeah. is here. Spring and, is sprung. Yeah, it, it's yeah. very exciting. Uh, yeah, they, they, they. I think From, they spread out a little bit now because I, I saw a bunch of them yesterday. I was driving around and I was like, "Whoa!" I had to slow down because I didn't want any of them to hit my windshield. You know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, they're From, they've spread out a little bit now. Yeah, but somebody took some video posted on social media um, of them at the beach where there was, it was uh, right. like the camera was set up someplace in the sand looking at the ocean. There were no people, no chairs or umbrellas. And it was just all of these butterflies flying by the ca- the camera lens. It was amazing. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Very beautiful. Cool. Love it. Yes. All right. So what's happening today on the show? Oh, yeah. Well, well. who's our guest today? Our guest this morning... Uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to this to this topic and to to the screening. Uh, our guests this morning are Sky Bergman, 
Kathleen Terry, and Jan Buick. Now, Sky Bergman is an accomplished award-winning photographer, and Lives Well Lived is her directorial debut. Debut, excuse me. Her fine artwork is included in permanent collections at the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, the Brooklyn Museum, Seattle Art Museum, Santa Barbara Museum of Art, and the Bibliothèque Nationale in France. Her commercial work has appeared on book covers for Random House and Farrar, Random House and Farrar, Strauss, and Giro, and magazine spreads in Smithsonian, Arthur Farmer's Budget Travel, Reader's Digest, and Archaeology Odyssey. Sky currently is a professor of photography and video at Cal Poly State University in San Luis Obispo. Now, Kathleen Terry is the founder and executive director of Participative 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 Management Systems, <laughs> a training and development company that provides coaching, leadership development, and team building programs for both corporations and nonprofit organizations. She's a past president of the Manhattan Beach Rotary Club and currently the assistant, uh, senior assistant governor for membership for Rotary District 5280. Kathleen is an active community volunteer within Manhattan Beach and is presently on the board of South Bay Family Connected and the Volunteer Center of the South Bay. She's a strong advocate for building stronger communities through volunteer engagement. In addition to her work in building and development teams, she works in helping nonprofit boards function more effectively and has facilitated board retreats and strategic planning sessions throughout the South Bay. Now, Jan Buick has been the supervisor of the Manhattan Beach Parks and Recreation's Older Adults Program for 11 years, the first full-time position for the program. Now, prior to joining Parks and Rec, she started in 1991 as the care manager for the city of Manhattan Beach Older Adults, first through senior, uh, South Bay Senior Services, then with Beach City's Health District. Now, Jan is originally from Michigan and has social work and education degrees from Michigan State University and a master's in gerontology from CSU Dominguez Hills. She has been a Manhattan Beach Rotarian for 12 years and loves the volunteer and community spirit exhibited by the members. Now, this morning we're going to be discussing the new film by Sky Bergman, Lives Well Lived, celebrating secrets, the, uh, celebrating the secrets, wit, and wisdom of age. And there's going to be a free screening on Sunday, March 31st from 2 to 4 p.m. at the Joslin Center. So Kathleen and Jan, welcome back. And Sky, welcome to the program. And thank you all for joining us this morning. Well, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, uh, I guess we have to start with you, Sky, because uh, this this concept of of you know the the lives well lived uh, is so compelling. Tell us how you came upon this concept for a film. Sure. Well. Um, First of all, thank you very much for having me on the show this morning. Um, I was lucky enough to have a grandmother who lived to be 103 and a half. And at 99, Mm. she was still working out at the gym and lifting her little weights. And um, I thought, oh, my God, I better film her because nobody's going to believe that at 99, almost 100, that she's still working out at the gym. And I um, Hmm. thankfully had a mic on her, and I just said, hey, Grandma, can you give me some words of wisdom? And she said things like, live life to the limits, be kind to everyone. And I came back from that trip. I live obviously here in San Luis Obispo, California. She lived in Florida, and I put together a little one-minute video of her working out at the gym and her words of wisdom. And I was getting ready to approach 50. I was, I think, 46 at the time, and I said, you know, I really – think that there's a project here and I want to find other people that are as much an inspiration as my grandmother is to me. And so I sent an email blast out to my friends, family and alum that I, all the alum that I've taught over the years at Cal Poly. So about a thousand people. And I said, if you have somebody in your life, that's as much an inspiration as my grandmother is to me. And here's a link to this little video that I put together of her, please nominate them for this project. I didn't know it was going to be a film at the time. And the heartwarming thing was I was just inundated by nominations. I mean, just wonderful, beautiful nominations. And so that was really how the film uh, got started. And I always say to my students that the more personal a project, the more universal it becomes. And um, this has really obviously touched a nerve and has really I just came out at just the right moment in time, I think. So it's, it's been a wonderful project to work on. We we uh, have just gone through uh, what we call uh, award season here in Southern California, the Oscars and the Grammys and so forth. Lots of thinking and talking about film and certainly documentary films. And it's been a, a great year for, 
for women and documentary films. But tell us about the process, because obviously a film is a lot, lot, lot bigger than just the actual, you know, camera. It's a whole host of things, including the financing. Do you sure. have well, uh, 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 executive directors? <laughs> Who, who's involved? Who, executive um, producers? Pretty much. I, I was kind of a one-woman show. I mean, you have to remember when I went into this, I thought maybe this would be just be a little web series or something. I didn't realize that it was going to be a feature-length film, and I've never done anything like this before. So I think it was good that I didn't mm-hmm. know quite what I was getting myself in for. Um, I had two women who really mm-hmm. helped me, my associate producers. They kind of were like my right-hand women, Catherine Trujillo and um, Gail Force. And I had somebody who edited for me, um, Randy Barrows, and then I would hire students to help me when I was on a shoot. And that was pretty much the crew. Um, And uh, I self-financed it. I'm lucky enough to have a day job of teaching at Cal Poly. And so I was able to do this kind of in my spare time. And uh, it took four Mm -hmm. years of filming and another year of editing. And we did the film festival circuit for a year and then – we were in theaters uh, starting last February, and now we're doing these community and educational screenings. And so I think it just was a matter of I really – I was passionate about what I was doing. Uh, I would get up at 4 in the morning and start editing and working on it, and um, it it just was a wonderful project to work on. I say I have – I interviewed 40 people over 75, and I feel like I have 40 new grandparents. I mean, it's just I'm, – I'm so lucky that I have all these people in my life now. So I really – it was a labor of love. I mean, people say that, but this truly was a labor of love. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. you know, Sky. It's funny. You know, you say that many times. In my opinion, it's better to jump in with both feet, and not before you know what you're getting into. You know, <laughs> because I think it, if you knew what it what it would eventually end up entailing, um, you might shy away from it. So a lot of times, you know, as you said, it's passion passion project, and you just jumped in and did it. Yeah. And, you know, I think I'll tell you the the moment that I realized that it really needed to be a film was I I had started this project thinking I was going to collect all these words of wisdom of this generation. And and I I feel like I did. And it helped me because I want to have role models of what I want to be as I'm aging. Uh, But I also realized I was collecting their stories. And that was really um, eye opening. And the moment that I realized I really needed to make it a feature length film was when I interviewed um, this woman, Marion Wolf who came over on the very first kinder transport from um, Vienna, Austria, to the United Kingdom. The Quakers were trying to get Jews out of, kids out of um, Austria and Germany, and she was one of the lucky ones that was able to get out. And she was, I was interviewing her about her history, and she pulled out this cardboard number that they put around her neck at the age of eight years old and, oh my um, God. to identify her. And I just, I get chills every time I think about it. And it was at that moment that I realized this is so much bigger than I thought it was going to be, and this really needs to be a feature-length film so that more people will see it. And so I kind of re- mm. pivoted and reframed and, okay, <laughs> here I go. <laughs> this is going to be a film now. And it's just been a wonderful ride. What wow. what is your class in, at Cal Poly Sky? So I've been teaching at Cal Poly since teach? 1995, and I teach photography, and I mm-hmm. uh, mostly photography. I've taught a couple of classes in video, but I would say mostly photography. Anything from basic photography in the darkroom, digital photography, lighting, advertising, editorial, everything, the whole range. Because I've been there mm-hmm. for so many mm-hmm. years, I've taught everything. <laughs> yeah. So, so people talk about this all the time, but I would love to get your, your feedback on this. What's the percentage for professionals and for consumers, digital to actual, you know, film? Well, I would say Are we all have digital still... cameras at this point, right? Because we all have phones mm. that have cameras on them. So everyone has a camera. Everyone's right. walking around with a camera these days. And that's a whole different ball game than it was when I started teaching, which is, you know, digital was just first start, starting to come out. Um, I, I think it's mm-hmm. really interesting because I have a group of students now who are very interested in film and that tactile quality, and that's something that we're, we have lost a bit. And if you think about all the images that we have, they're stored on our phone, but nobody prints them out, and mm. or very few people print them out. And so you don't have that same tactile quality and that same um, history or legacy that you're leaving for people because 
stuff that's on your phone or in the cloud, that could disappear. You know, if you have something that's printed, that has something much more tangible. Um, so I think the students are reacting mm-hmm. to that, and they actually, our darkroom class is full every time we offer it because they want to be in the darkroom and they want to have that um, wonderful sort of experience. I mean, that was my introduction to photography, and my love of it was watching the image emerge in the developer and just falling in love with that. And that's, and, and I loved being in the darkroom. So I, I do miss that, but mm-hmm. I think I'm probably healthier mm-hmm. not having breathed in all those chemicals for all this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a double-edged sword. <laughs> yeah. uh, Ka- Kathleen, tell us uh, about your involvement with this process, Lives Well Lived. Well, I attended uh, a showing of the film, and um, yeah. I was very um, taken by it. And I really was watching the audience reaction and my own reaction, and I was going, my gosh, this would be such a great uh, film to show within our community. So um, it's kind of one of those things that after the film, I, I went up to Sky and said, you know, I, I'm in a community that's interested in uh, different generations, and would you be able to show this film in our community? And so she said yes. And so I went to our Rotary Club, and I said, hey, I w- I'd like to do this as kind of one of our community involvement projects with Rotary, and they were willing to sponsor the fee for the film. And then I realized that the Beach City Health District is uh, very involved in senior issues, and I got them involved. And then, then of course, uh, got in, getting Jan involved because she works with the Older Adults Program yeah. in the city. But my intent was to not make this just a program for seniors. I really wanted to make it uh, open to all generations because I think that the message that these seniors are sharing is as valid for people who are in their 20s and 30s and maybe even the teens, although I don't think we'll get many teens there, um, so that they can hear these messages. They don't have to wait until they're 80 to say, oh, this is what I learned. And so my thought was is that I could show the, the film and then after the film see if I can get some of our seniors and others, if they don't even have to be seniors, to share their stories mm. of, in our community and then I'm going to have mm. uh, teenagers interview the seniors to hear their stories mm-hmm. and hopefully get the um, school district involved in helping create a little video would be kind of Manhattan Beach-centric. So that's kind of a little bit my thoughts. So, yeah, I was mm-hmm. just inspired mm-hmm. by the message. And can uh, I just finish a, for a second? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, go ahead. One, one of the – one of the things that I'm very passionate about is using the film as a catalyst for these kind of intergenerational projects. Um, one of the things that I learned while doing the research for the film is that the last hundred years is the first time in human history that we've looked to anyone other than our elders for advice. And I really feel the world is suffering as a result. And so I'm very um, happy when I can have a, a screening of the film, and then an intergenerational project um, happens as a result. So when, when Kathleen was talking to me about this, I just, my eyes lit up. I said, this is perfect. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think, Kathleen, we really should have the, the, the schools and the, the high schools bringing large numbers of students, and that some percentage of those students will be, will be, encouraged to look in their own families and to their own uh, uh, older adults in their families for advice and counsel and and just remembering. Uh, I know from my own family, there are many, many, many photographs that have survived my parents that obviously would never have survived, like Sky was saying, if they had not been printed. And this is something that perhaps a lot of kids in this generation may never have because their parents never did a lot of printing of small little photographs, little photographs of birthday parties and, and, uh, you know, outings at the beach and things like that. They're, they may have taken the photographs, but they're not printed. And so they don't survive catastrophic events like illnesses and so forth because people just, you know, um, don't think of those things when someone's ill. They don't think, well, let's get all the photographs off their phone. Um, this is this is a huge uh, issue societally, I think. And Jan, one of the things also I found, and 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 I'll get Kathleen uh, to comment on this, Jan, is that when you start doing intergenerational 
things, uh, so much value comes out for everyone. Isn't that true? Oh, that is so true, Joe. We we have we're very fortunate. We have um, a wonderful relationship with the Manhattan Beach Unified School District, and one of the programs we do is called Coffee Tech and Me, or Coffee Tech and You, actually, yeah. where we have the high school students come in on a Saturday for a couple hours, and they work with the seniors. And we've been doing this for mm-hmm. about four years now, and the relationship that develops between the high school students and the seniors is just incredible. First of all, there's that knowledge, that sharing of knowledge. Um, But what we find is the conversations about their lives and and what they learn. Because I think one of the problems that we have in the community sometimes is we don't have grandparents living nearby, you know, so there's a sense of isolation. Mm. Um, You know, it may be the financial cost of living in Manhattan Beach or, you know, that um, distance, you know, somebody may move here from another area and stuff. So it's been absolutely wonderful to see the relationships that develop. And they'll they'll stay and they'll talk after the program's over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've mm-hmm. been able to do um, intergenerational improv programs, poetry groups, just there's a real <laughs> need and a real desire to have that those relationships. And so it's been great to wow. see that happen. And this will just really facilitate another dimension of that. You know, Jan, you, you wow. just hit the nail on the you just hit the nail on the head about uh you know, the extended family not necessarily living close to each other. Um I remember I remember several years ago you know, and the intergenerational thing is interesting too because oh I was growing up, my parents were very old school. They didn't talk about the past. Um, you know, my parents, they lived to two world wars and the depression, you know, I, I don't I get the impression there were a lot of good times. Um, so, so they didn't talk, they didn't dwell on the path. I think they were, they were just so busy trying to raise three girls and, you know, keep food on the table and us and clothes that fit. Uh, but I remember several years ago, um, one of my father's brothers, uh, my uncle Tony, um, he, when he got married, he moved to Queens and, now it's like, you know, five generations of his family, his kids, grandkids, great. They all grew up in Queens. And I remember one of his grandkids asking him to do a project with him for school. Um, and it was one of these things where the kid interviewed his grandfather and, you know, started learning stuff that my uncle never talked about. And he was in World War Two. He he fought in World War Two, And it was something he never spoke to his wife about. It was something he didn't speak to his children about. But for whatever reason, he was able to open up to his grandchild. And, you know, it was, you know, they, ta- they taped, I think they taped it like voice, audio only. I don't think there was video when they did this or they didn't use video. But the grandchild was able to get all of this information that nobody else in the family knew. He He received the Purple Heart. His kids didn't even know that, you know. So hmm. yeah, yeah. That the whole intergenerational thing is, it's got this whole you know thing of its own, you know, where maybe you can't talk to your kids about it, but a grandkid or a great grandkid maybe, right? Or even a stranger. You know. Uh, yeah, yeah. One of the uh, one of the other thoughts that I had regarding this is, so we're talking about uh, teens talking to grandparents, but. I, I also think that we as, you know, uh, young, you know, young adults or even uh, people talking to their parents, not even their grandparents, um, I, my hope would be that maybe this will motivate people who are in their 30s and 40s to say, gee, I haven't had a conversation with my mom and dad about mm. it. And with the technology that we have today, um, they, using the same questions that Sky used, um, in her interviews, it's they're very great questions to open up a, a dialogue, and they could actually, with their cell phones, uh, interview their moms and their dads before their moms and dads pass away. I mean, I, I sometimes wait, see that people wait until the funeral, and then they share right. all these experiences about their parents, and they go, "Wow, mm-hmm. gee, I wish I had asked my mom about this." And so I'm hoping that, like again, it's not just teens to grandparents; it's parents to their parents. And um, my husband and I, we did this with his dad and his brother, his dad's brother. And during those interviews, we learned things about 
the, that father that had never, ever, like you said, come out before right. because the question had never been asked. So I think that this is not just for, you know, the elders. I think the, everybody should be asking these kind of questions. So I'm hoping that it has a lot of legs in that direction as well. Yeah, well, I one agree. of the things that I always say is that um, everyone has a story to tell if you just take the time to listen. And one of the things that I realized early on was that I had to cut off my interviews. I kind of made the number 40 because otherwise I just kept getting more and more people that wanted to be interviewed <laughs> and more and more suggestions. Right. So what I did is on our, our website, there is actually a place where people can share their stories. And there is a place where you can find the questions that I asked in the film, because I worked for about a year kind of developing the questions that I was going to ask. I think one of the hardest things when you sit down with somebody to do an interview is where do you even start? How do you start right. these questions? And so these questions are met just as a kind of a starting point, and I wanted to make it easy and accessible for everyone. So they're on the website for anyone to use and um, and just to begin that conversation. I agree that it doesn't have to be grandkids or, you know, it could be anyone. I mean, I was a stranger going out and interviewing 40 people and I would sometimes have somebody a family member somebody in the room and when I was done with the interview they would come up to me and say wow I didn't know that about my brother my sister my aunt my uncle my grandmother you know my parent um, because they just had never had the time to ask and and I think one of the things that I also learned was that the people that I interviewed um at one point I did a panel discussion with them and one of the people from the film said what a gift it was for them to be able to share their story. So these people want to share and leave their legacy behind of what they've done in their lifetime and they want to be asked these questions. It's just a matter of making the time and creating the space for that to happen, I think. Well, hey, Joe, let's do this. Let's do this. Um, Joe, let's do a really quick station break and when we come back, Sky, can you... Can you give us a couple of examples of those questions? But let's do the station break first. Sure. Right. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the South Bay Show. And today is a very special show. Uh, this is the Manhattan Beach Chamber 360 every Friday at 8 a.m. Uh, we have that and we have uh, news and, and topics about the chamber. But this this is a very, very special event uh, coming up this Sunday, March 31st, or it's not this Sunday, it's a couple of weeks from now, March 31st, from 2 to 4 p.m. at the Jocelyn Center. Very important to get young people to this event. Lives well lived, celebrating the secrets, wit, and wisdom of age. And uh, we're going to be talking about this uh, 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 continually. We're going to continue to talk about it. But uh, share this show with your friends and and neighbors, and, and try to get them to come with you uh, to this event. Uh, it's going to be a great uh, event for the community and a great event, especially for young people. Um, we're just, uh, we're just uh, thrilled to uh, have the, the uh, filmmaker here and uh, some local celebrities, and uh, we're going to continue the conversation. Now, let's continue, Jackie. Uh, yeah, well, Scott was just talking about formulating the questions. You're right when you said, where do you start? Um, so mm -hmm. so you, take us through that and give us a couple examples of the questions you asked, please. Yeah, sh sure. I, I'd be happy to. So um, I started off with uh, what are three things that I should know about you? Um, what's a fun or interesting fact about you? Um, what do you? What's your definition of a life well-lived? what's been most instrumental in shaping your life. Um, I asked questions about like what cultural events or technological changes have been the most significant in your lifetime. Uh, what do you think is one thing that people shouldn't worry about? What do you most regret? Um, what do you think about your own mortality? Which that was actually a really great question to ask. Um, I interviewed my dad, who I would never as a daughter necessarily ask that question to. Right, um, but yeah. I think we, we shy away from that in this culture. And actually it was a really wonderful to ask that question in the context of an interview. So um, I think that that was a great one. And um, do you experience ageism? Um, or what do you look forward to and what's next? Those were some of the questions. And I will say that um, I think the, the commonalities, because that's a question I get asked often between all the people that I interviewed were really three things. One is that they um, all looked forward to doing something every day. A lot of them volunteered. 
Um, I have one woman who still teaches ESL um, and uh, another person that makes mozzarella every morning, another patient that goes out and talks to schools about their life. Um, so they all had something that they did give, give back, learn something new every day. Um, the second is that they had a really good support system of either family or friends. It didn't necessarily have to be family. It could be friends. Um, the third thing was, uh, and this is such a cliche, but there's a reason for it. They all saw life as the glass is half full rather than half empty. I think that yes. mm-hmm. one of the common threads of the film is this um, thread of resilience, of these things that these really tough things that these people went through, but how they came back from those things and um, came back in a very strong and positive way. And so, you know, remembering to see the life as the glass is half full rather than half empty and remembering that, your attitude is really the only thing that you can control. Um, I think Lou Tadone from the movie said it best, happiness is a state of mind. You can be happy with what you have or miserable with what you don't have. You decide. And um, I, I will tell you there are mornings where I wake up on the wrong side of the bed, as we all do, and I think of Lou saying that, and I change yeah. my attitude pretty quickly. So it's, been, it's uh, you know, been a good life lesson for me as well. Wow. I think that's a good life lesson for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One, one thing uh, that strikes me, Kathleen, you have such a depth of experience with so many different types of companies, with so many different types of leadership. But one thing that I find when I talk to uh, many different companies is that they they want to change the culture of the company. They want to be more participative but they don't know how because they don't really know their employees. If there could be some kind of a, of a way that employees could just talk about how they do their jobs and, and what, you know, difficulties they encounter without getting into personalities, um, then everyone might understand and create a film about the, the, it, it often occurred to me that if they could create a film about how everyone did their jobs, everyone would know what the culture of the business was. I don't know if you can speak to that, Kathleen, but that's well, always been a fantasy thing, of mine. Yeah, well, okay, so, so one thing I think that's interesting is that um, many years, I mean, I've been in business for many years, and talking about who you were and what you felt and all that was not part of the business world. And now the big mm. buzzword everywhere is this, thing called social emotional wellness and um, Mm. the whole concept of in the workplace it's okay to talk about how you're feeling Uh, companies should be paying attention to um, developing more relationship and and caring about employees Um, you know the whole concept of mindfulness which the Beach City Health District is uh, really big in, in promoting that used to be never allowed in a business environment because it was like meditation and that wasn't okay. So uh, there's a big change now in this concept of um, uh, companies being aware that unless they take, uh, take care of the social emotional wellness of their people, they're not going to be very effective, but it's still, um, you know, uh, companies are probably not going to do a film on, you know, they're probably not going to do that. But there's training programs now that companies are offering. I used to do programs for uh, Herbal Life and a lot of companies on managing uh, with emotional intelligence. So this is, ch- this is changing. I think we're seeing much more of that in, in the companies. But, um, you know, again, um, a lot of times people in companies are not going to be willing to share who they are because unless the trust is high. And a lot of times that's not the way it is. So Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, getting back to what uh, Sky was saying, what 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 they all most of them had in common about the resilience and looking at the world from a glass half full perspective as opposed to a glass half empty, um, is that something, Sky, that you're just born like that, or you're an optimist, or you you're, you you have a victim mentality? Is that is that just something that the way you are, um, were all of these people, you know, from the time you said one was a little girl that came over on a boat from Austria, I mean, 
to survive what she went through and everything, she she had to be, and it had to be in her. It had to be a natural part of her to look at the glass half full, uh, look from that perspective. Yeah, I think you know, uh, perhaps that it's kind of they're born with it. I mean, I think that um, one of the people in the film talked about Victor Frankl's *Man's Search for Meaning* and how important that became in her life because you know, as he said, he went through the war and he was a Holocaust survivor, and he said that he couldn't tell um, from just the physical strength of people how who was going to make it and who wasn't. It was really more about their emotional strength and so i'm not sure if people are just born with it or they learn it um but one thing that i will say is you know the people in my film um i wasn't doing a social science experiment i wasn't interviewing everyone 75 and older i was interviewing people that i thought were positive and that were living full lives and so i was seeking out a very you know um the the people that i wanted to be like and so i think all the people that i interviewed had that resilience because they're still positive whether they have um, physical ailments or not. I mean, my dad is a great example. Again, he's in a wheelchair and he's still practicing medicine at the age of 76 and, you know, he's had several strokes, but he's like a, a role model for his patients. He's a geriatric physician, ironically, and he has been since <laughs> he was out of med school. And um, so I think, you know, people like that or, you know, my friend Lou Tadone, who I mentioned before, who makes the mozzarellas, I mean, he's he can still make them, but he's, he says, as I ask him, how are you doing today? He goes, well, you know, I'm getting a little worse there. I mean, his body, he knows his body is not what it was in his 60s. He's realistic about it. But I think it's that um, emotionally and, and mentally they stay strong and resilient and realize that, okay, I'm, my body is going to age. That's just part of the process. But what are the things that I can still do and how can I still be um, you know, part of society and how can I still be engaged in doing things that I'm able to do. And I think that that's also uh, a really good role model for me is to see that. I mean, that's just, that's just the way things are going to go, but how can you still use what you have, the strengths that you have and, um, and really be engaged and still be happy and live a full life. You know, that's interesting that you, know, you said a- that, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Kathleen, real quickly. It's interesting that you say that you were looking for people that would engage you, that were good role models. I would imagine that the, the people that you're not interested in, they're not out there doing it. They're not out there engaging. They're not, you know, the crotchety people, you know, that are not happy with their lives, that are bitter, and, you know, that they, I, I can't even imagine that you would come across people like that if you're, you, you know what I mean, Sky? Well, yeah, because also the way that I, selected the people really was to um, put a call out and say, who's an inspiration to you? So I was dealing with people that were inspiring to other people. And, um, okay. But I will say once, once I um, realized that it was going to be a, a feature-length film, I did want to tell a diverse group of stories. And so like one of the things that I felt was really important, especially being out here in California, was to tell the story of somebody who was Japanese-American who was interned during World War II and what that experience was like. Because it's very easy to say all these things happened in another country, but to remember what happened in our own country and to reflect on that so that it will hopefully never happen again. And, you know, all this stuff that's happening in New Zealand in the last 24 hours, I mean, it just is a a great reminder that these things can happen in places you don't expect and to just, um, uh, so it was important to tell that diverse story so that we remember those things and, and hopefully don't make the same mistakes if we can avoid them. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of different experiences out there. Kathleen, you were going to say something. Yeah, um, Jackie, you had talked about is this something we're born with? There's a lot of happiness researchers out there, and uh, they actually uh, have said that we do we do come into the world with what they call a set point for happiness, and um, and so some people just naturally start life with a a much more positive attitude. Now that being said. Um, you can alter that by, again, how you look at life, working on changing your attitude and and doing the kind of things that are going to make you happier. So we're not stuck, but uh, some people just approach life with this glass uh, full attitude. Yeah, And a a lot of people have to to really work on it. And I'll never forget, I one time um, interviewed an elder, 
And I was saying something about, you know, well, you know, what's it like being old? And he said for him, there was no difference between being old than when he was 20 and 30, that the person he is at 80 is the same person he was at 20 and 30. And um, and and I think that that's really true is if you are kind of negative and and, uh, uninvolved when you're in your 20s and 30s, it's probably going to be that way when you're 70 and 80. So um, I do think that I I do a lot of these programs, and it's so interesting. The people who go into leadership programs or who volunteer, they are busy people. It's it's Mm -hmm. not the couch potatoes that are joining things and are volunteering. They don't look at life like, well, I don't have time to be a volunteer. I don't have time to learn. And so I think it's a a kind of a state of mind that people have. But I don't think that we can't change it. I'll tell you what it is, Kathleen. It's the old 80-20 rule. The old 80-20 mm-hmm. rule, which <laughs> Joe and I are single-handedly working on changing to the 90-10 rule. All right? We, we, we're, yeah. You know, right. all of our input is it's closer to 90-10. And you and Jan are perfect examples of that. You know, it's so funny. I mean, this is the Manhattan Beach Chamber show. So on Fridays, we talk about all the things going on, all the people happening. But I work with... I work with all the cities in the South Bay, and let me tell you something. It's the same in every city. You got that 10% of people that do everything. Um, you know, just, just like sure. in Manhattan Beach, you know, I, could, I can start naming off the people in Manhattan Beach because it's the same people in every service group uh, sitting on boards uh, that are out there doing the beach cleanups that are uh, in leadership classes. Uh, same, same people in every city. Mm. Right. And and as you said, right. I think they're all positive, much happier individuals than the people that go around grousing and complaining and never never make an effort to reach out to anybody. I see this over and over and over. You know, I agree with you in so many ways. I also it's been interesting as part of the program that I've been involved with, you know, the older adults is to watch how people can change. Um through positive influences from others. You know, seeing some of my older adults as they they come in and they may be grouchy and crotchety, and, but getting involved and getting some, you know, something that sparks their interest and watching them blossom in a sense. Mm-hmm. And, and that has been, I think, a really um, enjoyable part of working with the older adults. But I, I agree. I think if you're a positive person when you're in your 20s and 30s and 40s, Age doesn't really change your attitude. Um, you are going to be a positive you know, person in your 80s. Um, but mm-hmm. you, can, you can see some people get a spark of interest and become evolved, you know, change their attitude. I see that often. And that's, that's a really tremendous <clears throat> part to watch. Jan, Jan do you, is that your experience as well? Definitely my experience. Um, I think that Sometimes you really have to encourage people and offer them opportunities that they may not have had before. And that that one opportunity or that one involvement may change their attitude. And I think it can be really frustrating to find what that opportunity is or that, you know, spark. But when when it is found, it's really fun to watch them come out of their shell and become positive and energetic. And I think that's one of our challenges is to offer as an older adult program those programs, yeah, yeah, opportunities and those programs that will bring that out. Mhm. Yeah. You know, absolutely. the other thing that uh, Sky said, the other thing that Sky said that um, was important that they all said is they had a good support system, and it could be family or friends. And I, I think that that's another critical piece here, and that is is that sometimes we can't rely on our families for whatever the reasons are. They're not interested or they live far away. And I think then people sometimes need to reach out. And that's why some of these volunteer activities that are offered to people are so important because it gives them an opportunity to have other people into their lives. I know the Beach City Health District has a wonderful program where people can volunteer to be errand volunteers to to bring food to uh, seniors or they have a a program where they actually can go and just talk to 
to seniors, a companion, uh, what do they call it, a conversation buddy. I mean, so I really think that, again, um, we need to also be fostering more connections with people in our cities. Um, you know, Neighborhood Watch is supposed to do that. But I, I know on our street, sometimes we don't even know who our neighbors are. So I think our, our Manhattan Beach could even benefit from uh, having more opportunities for people to connect within our city. Oh, my goodness. The Beach City's, Beach City's Health District has so many programs. What's the, what's the right. Moi, 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 Moi? No, they're called, yeah. they're called, they're called Moais. Moai. What Moai. they are is the, it's, a Japanese, it's a Japanese term, and it comes from the idea of people getting together for uh, interests. So, for example, Beach City has a number of walking moais. People get together and walk. Right. I belong to one which is a vegetarian moai. Uh, there's all these small groups where people get together for common interests. And this, again, is across the South Bay. So you could live in Manhattan Beach, Redondo Beach, Mosa Beach, and you could be part of these groups. So you're not only developing relationships within your community, but within neighboring communities. And that's something that people really should look at um, because these MOAs is another way uh, for all ages to get involved, you know, one age group. Right. Well, they've got their social hour. They've got their mindfulness drop-in um, uh, every month. Uh, they, no, they've got a ton of great, great programs. And, um, you know, we all we all know those people uh, that, you know, might be not be happy in their life and might do a lot of complaining and, you know, and I'm the first person to say, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you look into this program? Why don't you volunteer here? Why don't you, try? you know, and if they don't get up, you know, off their button, do it themselves. It's not going to happen. But, um, yeah, again, it all goes back to um, the half glass full look, you know, exactly. and you know something? Right. And, 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 no, you know what else? Those people with the, the, the positive attitude, the glass half full, you know, they can face, you know, tragedy and, and tough times a lot better than, than the people that are just, you know, glass half empty, negative victim, uh, uh, you know, they it, they get through things better. So I, I, you know, Sky, I can't wait to see this movie. Um, I don't, I, I don't go to the movies often, um, just because I'm not interested in bl- shoot them up, blow them up, uh, uh, Marvel characters. Uh, that just seems to be. But I've seen a couple of great documentaries recently. Um, and, and to me, it's all about the story and this one documentary I caught, I think it was on HBO, uh, Breslin and Hamill, uh, deadline artists. And these were a couple of the big writers in New York city in the sixties and seventies and eighties. And, uh, one of them died recently, but they were both like eight, late eighties, nineties. And it was, you know, talking about their lives and what they did and, uh, fantastic, fantastic uh documentary so i'm really looking forward to yours really looking forward oh, to thank it. you yeah yeah we're all <clears throat> really excited about this opportunity uh, and this is sunday march 31st at the joslin center from two to four uh, uh lives well lived celebrating the secrets wit and wisdom of age it's a free screening it's a free <laughs> screening everybody <laughs> <laughs> you know we love free Plus, you're going to meet a lot of. We uh, love I it. think you'll meet a lot of interesting people. So, I really want to encourage the people to come out. I have no idea whether we'll have twenty, twelve, a hundred. <laughs> we we have seating for what? Two hundred, Jan? Two hundred, right? Well, yeah. if you get a little a little preview of the film, the trailer is on our website, which is um, live hyphen well hyphen live dot com, or if you just type in lives well lived on Google. And if you go to our um, film stars, the trailer's on the homepage, but if you go to our film stars page, uh, I put the, my favorite quotes from all the people that are in the film, so my favorite words of wisdom from them. So if you're feeling down one day and you, you want to get a, a little pick-me-upper, <laughs> you can go to that page and, and read some wonderful quotes from some really amazing people. Well, you know what? If you have a full house and people end up being turned away, you can always have Sky come back. Sky, are you going up and down the coast showing this places and 
what's your schedule? I'm look like? I'm going all around the country. Um, we screen have screened in over 150 cities at this point. We're rated 100% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, which is amazing. I didn't know that was a thing, but apparently wow. it is. And um, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. So we're it's just been really a, a wonderful experience. Um, I'm actually headed back to the East Coast on Wednesday. Um, and May is Older Americans Month, so that'll be a very busy month for me. And uh, it's just been it's been great to get the word out and to. I think it what it does is people leave the film. One of the things that I ask people in the audience is, how many of you are thinking of somebody that would have been perfect for the film after they've yeah, seen it? And right. everyone's hands go up. And so right. it, it, you you know you watch the film, you learn something, but it also connects you to somebody in your life that you think, wow, I really want to interview them, or I wish I had interviewed them for this film. And and that's great. If I can just do that one thing and make you think about somebody in your life that was an inspiration um, that you're connected to, then I feel like I've done a good job. So are, is the only place that people can see this film now is when you bring it to their town? Will it eventually be available on Netflix or something like that? Yeah, uh, it will be, but it won't not until um, January of 2020. So I have a distributor okay. who's working on that, and we're we're kind of I want to make these community screenings something special, so there's nowhere else that people could see it at the moment, and so it's not available yeah. on DVD or streaming until January of 2020. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know it's so funny. I heard about from several people about this great documentary called The Wrecking Crew that was shown oh. on PBS. It was shown on PBS, and I heard about it. My sister called me one day, and she's like, you got to watch this. And a week later, I was at an event, and somebody else told me about it. And, and I tried looking up, and you can't get that, like, on demand on, on PBS. So what I did was I, I bought it. You know, I went to the PBS mm-hmm. website, and I bought it. I bought the, the, the DVD, and I thought, oh, great. You know, my husband and I could sit and watch this, and then we got it, and then I realized we don't have a DVD player. how how awful is this i bought the thing and now i can't watch it so oh boy i I think there's something about like easier (laughs) yeah i think there's something about going to a theater and seeing a film with an audience and seeing in that in that communal experience i think there is something really wonderful about it and so I'm not doing the distribution of the film in the normal way, which is a lot of times people will have it in theaters and on demand at the same time. And I really made the decision not to do that so that, um, you know, it really has encouraged people to go and see it with other people because then people leave the theater or, or the space that they're seeing it in and they're still talking about it together and they're having a conversation. And I think that that's, really was important to me to keep that dialogue going. And when you watch it at home, maybe you talk to the person you're watching it with or you see it by yourself, but there's something different about seeing it with a whole group and maybe encouraging that group to do something and do something a little different, which is to interact with somebody who's um, an elder in their lives. And, um, and I think that that was an important part for me. So that's why I decided to hold back until 2020, at least give it some time to really um, right. culminate into something. All right. Well, what that means is that if you want to see this, if you want to see this, you got to go to the screening on Sunday, March 31st. It's free, free, free at the Joslin Center from 2 to 4 p.m. Lives well lived, celebrating the secrets, wit and wisdom of age. I can't wait to see it. Um, I don't know if you're taking reservations for this, but, you know, uh, Kathleen Jan put me down for it. Um, Joe, we have to we have to wrap it up. We have to wrap it up. We have to wrap it up. And I have to say, Sky. Uh, is this is this a new life for you, filmmaking Absolutely. and yep. traveling the world? <laughs> Are you going to continue to teach right now? Uh, I'm going to continue to teach, but I'm working on three films at the moment. Yeah, all with an intergenerational wow. component to them. So mm-hmm. she's yeah. she's she's gone completely crazy. She's gone. Completely, she's gone Hollywood. <laughs> she's gone Hollywood. There's no doubt. No, that's it. Okay. Well. <laughs> Guy Bergman, accomplished artist, teacher, and now filmmaker. Thank you for joining us today. Thank, thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. Thank you, Kathleen uh, Terry, uh, founder and executive director of Participative Management Systems. Thank you for joining us today. Very welcome. And Jan. Uh, it's always wonderful having you with us. Uh, you've been with us, uh, I think, several times before. And yeah. uh, here we are again. 
supervisor of the Manhattan Beach Parks and Recreation's Older Adults Program for 11 years. Jan, thank you for being with us. Well, thank you for the opportunity. And thank you, Sky and Kathleen um, and Jackie. And we will see you, I hope, all on uh, March 31st. You will. Sunday, March 31st, 2 to 4 p.m. Thank you, Jackie. Always a pleasure. And I just have to tell you, uh, Kelly dropped off a little while ago, so she's not with us at the moment. Thank you, Kelly. And uh, (laughs) that's our show, everyone. Have a wonderful uh, weekend and, uh, you know, commune with some uh, butterflies, some painted (laughs) ladies. (laughs) All right. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you, Joe. (laughs) Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.